recording live from the new owners of FireMikeMcCarthy.com. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Yes, did you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's available. <laughs> Is it? Did you check? Yes, I checked okay. right before the podcast. That was important because there was a really good chance it wasn't. You know, we're, the Seahawks are playing Green Bay this upcoming week, and we'll get to that. But Green Bay related on my fantasy team is James Starks, and he was awful this week. And I was like, is he injured? What happened? So I just Googled James Starks, and up came all these tweets of Packer fans that are like, the most useless back in the league. Thank God he's not playing him. I hate James Starks. It's like, oh, okay, it's time to let go of James Starks. <laughs> so uh, that's so how he's their that. curse? Is that yes, <laughs> yes, he's their uh, Nelson Aguilar for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's funny when you uh, talk to their fan bases, you get to find out, oh, that's the player no one likes. But everyone kind of looks at it like, hey, they're on the team. And, I mean, if you don't think I've been banging this Mike McCarthy drum for, like, the last, I don't know, three years, three years yeah. like, I've been on this I've been on this train for so long. You opened my eyes to I'm it. Just waiting for for people to catch on. It seems like finally they run the most. I don't. I will get into it later. But they run the most oversimplified offense with the all time greatest skills quarterback. I think, or one of the. There's all-time greatest. one thing they do that I think is genius. Facial hair. No, the way that they throw hail marys. Oh yeah, those are that's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's all Aaron Rodgers and, I mean, and they, luck. Their man. special teams are always really well prepared. Like Randall Cobb did that thing where he put his feet out. Though there are little things that they do right, but I just their overall offensive scheme is so vanilla for, for an offensively minded talent. head coach. And he's an offensive head coach, so I just can't handle it. That's right, Nathan. He's an offensive head coach. Yeah, I'm offended by him. That's for sure. All right, uh, let's, let's welcome, uh, welcome to the Seahawks Nest. We are a Seahawks podcast, and we still like harping on the Green Bay Packers because it's fun. A awesome forty to seven victory for the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football on NBC. I was at the game. I did not see Al Michaels. I did not see Chris Collinsworth. Carrie Underwood not in the stadium. So uh, you had a better experience, is what I'm hearing. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, the uh, at what price victory? Earl Thomas dead. Dead. No, R- I'm sorry. R.I.P. Earl Thomas. R.I.P. Earl Thomas. He's acting like he's dead. That's, that's, that's for sure. This is what we do in our fantasy. He's a very league. emotional player. Anytime a anytime a player gets <laughs> concussed, I just out for a quarter. I post in the team chat that he's dead. Yeah, yes. we just R.I.P. So and so. Yeah, Earl Thomas though out for the year uh, with a serious injury. Uh, not going to require surgery. They're going to just keep him in an air cast. Or... It's a lower leg fracture. Yeah, and a tibia. That's actually not that bad. I mean, it takes a really long time to heal. But if they felt like it was not a bad enough fracture to actually need like a hard cast and stuff, it's it could be a lot worse. I mean, he's it's it's like a it's like a stress fracture. You know, it's gonna hurt really bad whenever he does some anything, puts any weight on it or anything, and then one day it will just not hurt anymore, and then and then he'll have to get back in shape. Yeah, I mean, Earl's a highly emotional player. He plays the game with his heart and his everything. Yeah. You give him the ability to make a comment after he gets pulled out of a game and, you know, you're playing with fire. So the, the thinking about retirement, lots of things going through his head comment. I don't put a lot into that. Yeah. But I mean, cause he also said like 20 minutes later that Cam Chancellor owes him a stake. Well, that's fair. Uh, Cam and at does the end of the day too, like if someone wants to walk away from being playing an NFL, NFL football game, which is incredibly dangerous. Uh, more power to them, you yeah. know. Like I, you can yeah. no, you can no longer fault people for doing that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't love him any less as a player, and he's still at the top of my jersey list for current players. But 
Don't forget, I think that's a lot of emotion coming out on that. Earl's the guy who, you know, runs down guys and hits them with, you know, the strength of a bullet and, or the force of a bullet. And he got injured flying through the air. He wasn't, he didn't have any of his body on the ground when he hurt his lower leg. Yep. That's, that's, that's competitive nature for you. That's the old, uh, Cam hits you and puts you on the sideline. Earl hits you and puts you in the hospital. That's right. Yeah. It's very true. All right. Gentlemen, what do we want to go through on this game first? Uh, there's some good things on the offense, uh, good things on the defense. Uh, I want to talk about Earl's replacement, but I don't want to get that right away. What do you guys want to talk about? I want to talk about one wide receiver slash kick returner slash long distance running back, Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. He finally, finally seems fully healthy. And it's, it's like they, uh, it's like they, uh, your dad has that Cadillac in the garage, the old Cadillac, and he gets out that towel. You know, he gets out that <laughs> towel and every week he goes out and he shines the car up. And that was what we saw from Tyler Lock the last few weeks. That was dad shining the car up, you know, like saying like, he's still here. It's still here. It's in. This week, the weather was perfect. He got out the keys. He got into the car. He fired up the engine and man. It was great to see. It was just, it was oh, just yeah. fantastic. He gave that car the screen passes usually relegated to Jermaine Curse. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely beautiful. I'm sorry, and the old the old station wagon. Take that, Jermaine <laughs> Curse. <laughs> Actually, Jermaine Curse still got nine targets, but that's a different problem. No. I <laughs> uh, my favorite thing about Lockett because you've seen flashes, like Nate said, but five catches on six targets. The efficiency was there. He caught everything. Russ was putting the ball right where it worked with Lockett. You saw that chemistry that you were starting to see at the end of last year that you saw at the beginning of this year before people got hurt. And when Lockett has that chemistry with Russ, it's like having, um, you know, a slightly less heady but slightly more athletic Doug Baldwin. Plus, we still have Doug Baldwin. Well, like you it's said, it's greedy. It's delicious. It comes down to chemistry, and you don't really think about chemistry between. Not everyone thinks about chemistry between a quarterback and a receiver. You've seen it between Russ and Doug Baldwin in this game. Doug Baldwin. I'm not saying he wasn't. I don't know his target numbers. I'm not saying he wasn't there. But the chemistry was so good with Tyler Lockett, and he was catching everything, and. The defense could not catch up to him. It was awesome. Just keep throwing it. Doug was sneaky. He caught seven of seven for 63. Are you serious? Doug caught seven balls and a lot of first downs. If you'd have told me, like, Eric guessed his stats, I'd have said three receptions on five targets. Hey, and speaking of third downs, I mean, that was a huge step forward for the Seahawks from, you know, last week where we said, hey, you're one of, one of 10 on, was one of 10? One of 10 on third Something downs? like that. It was this week, terrible. Seven of 14, which is not like ungodly good. But it's way better. And, you know, if you're going 7 for 14, you're going to keep yourself in games. You know, 50% on third downs is something that you can, you can, you can win that way. So I was very, I was very happy with that. You know, the other big celebration for me was watching Glowinski, Britt, and Effetti push around and impose their will. Effetti. Yeah, I'm of his career. Very Starlato, good front Starlato court. Starlato Lely is not, a, not an easy guy to push around. And uh, came on short. No, no. I mean, none of those guys. Those guys, they have a good... They've got beef. Their front seven is awesome. It's the secondary that really lets them down quite yeah. a yeah. bit. Well, in their front seven, um, if you look at their run numbers, just the front seven, their front seven against the run is like top five in the league. And... The middle of our offensive line, and then, Nate, you pointed this out when we were talking on the chat, the way that Rawls just kind of waits a little bit, 
He's a more patient runner than Michael. Kristen Michael ran straight into where the hole was supposed well, to be, according to the play call, another, and got what he got. Another, Rawls let the block happen. Yeah, he also had, but then he's decisive. Once he yes. makes a decision, that's the decision. And then he's going to punish every guy who gets in his way. It's not like Michael where like he, he makes it, he goes where the play is supposed to go. And then he just like, as soon as he finds contact, he falls down or he tries to run away from the direct contact. Rawls is like, I'm going to, okay, I'm looking at the play developing. Okay, here's my one cut, and I'm going to run over every guy that's in the, between yeah. me and the goal line. Yeah, he's yeah. like your Mike Shanahan one cut and go zone run back from the late 90s and early 2000s. And I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't like the offensive line was perfect. We gave up three sacks, and I, and one, two of those were speed rushes to against our tackles, yep. who are still questionable. I'm not... I'm not going to give our tackles kind. a pass. The tackles are ta- the tackle play is going to be a problem oh. until this team is no longer playing. On football. that note, we have breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking on the news. offensive tackles. Yeah, breaking news about. Oh yes, tackle. yeah, big big news. Uh, Should have broke with this first. Uh, Bradley Sowell. Bradley Sowell. It's not Soul. It's not Sewell. I was at the stadium. Uh, the announcer said Bradley Sowell. And then I went home and I watched the Monday Night Football telecast. Sunday Night Football telecast. Until he said his own name, like with yeah, and it's like Jermaine Fetty, whatever college I went to. And then it was like <laughs> Bradley Sowell, not very good. And, I was like, <laughs> and it's it's hard. Say they're at home. Say Bradley Sowell. So what it's you're hard. saying is it's we Bradley saying- Sowell. So we we have not been doing our job this year and saying his name correctly. And you know what the best part so, is? It's usually when I feel good I know knowing that Bradley Sal has company in that area of not getting the job done. Thing, we're, we're really like a support network for him. Another thing, too, is the easiest way to get interaction with people on Twitter is to screw things up. You know, oh, if you say, like, oh, it's a 10-point lead when it's actually a 9-point lead, or you say, like, or you spell someone's name wrong, wow, these people are going to start tweeting you back about it because no one loves anything more than correcting us. And it just proves a point. No one cares about Bradley Sowell oh, because, because no one no one has tweeted us or Sorry, Mama contacted Sal. us to correct us on this. And you know what? I want to say I care about you, Bradley. You should have corrected me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so please email us at podcast at from com. <laughs> you can catch up at Seahawks Nest on Twitter, or you can uh, you can write a friendly letter. I will just s- <laughs> just ask. I would say going back to uh, Thomas Rawls. One, he hurdled two guys to get his first touchdown of the game. Yeah. Hurdled two guys. Really impressive. But also, we've talked about this last year about how he's a little bit like Marshawn. He ran, like, you know, what was Marshawn's bread and butter and the, the, uh, the Seahawks running game bread and butter. It was like the counterplay. I was going to say it's breaking people's face masks. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't always power. <laughs> like Marshawn said his favorite run was power, but we, we'd make that bread and butter off the counter. The Beastquake mode was power. But it turned into a counter. And for those not, uh, you know, at home don't know what a counter run is, it's when the line goes one way and your running back starts to go that way and then he counters, he quickly darts the other direction. And usually he has to beat one guy, yes. which is perfect when your running back is Marshawn Lynch because you know what he's going to do? He's going to, he's going to beat that guy. He's going to give him a little stiff arm. Yeah. And the, okay, as the, he likes to call it the, the Beast Quake run against the Saints, the, the line moved left and it was a power run. So Marshawn went left with it. And he, the, the hole plugged up, so he switched it right and had to run over a guy, which he did, and then ran over the rest of the team. And if you, again, think about what you just said combined with what Nate, with what Nate and I just said, which is, you're talking about a back that is decisive and sudden in his cuts. Yeah, yeah. Which, 
Lynch was as well, and that's an ideal back for a counterplay because by the time you start getting the defensive line running in the right direction, Rawls is past you. The cut on that yeah. first Rawls, the big first big Rawls run, is yeah. just it's otherworldly. It's just it's just nuts. It's it's, it's it so good. You, it makes you wonder why he didn't get drafted. Well, it makes if, you wonder that had that in the kitty, you know, like he should have got drafted by someone. Also, like Pete Carroll and John Schneider saw something and were like. Okay, well, let's let's look at this. Look at what this guy can do. It was the combination of playing for a directional Michigan school and having some character concerns. <laughs> and I mean, Central playing for Central Michigan is not a great. I, at the time, I no. Also, can't wait to see what the offense is like when our third down back is uh, CJ Procise and not uh, Tremaine Pope. Because I, I like Tremaine Pope. The story is great. Um, but I mean, take out the 18 yard rush. He went seven rushes for 10 yards and one catch for five yards. It's nothing to write home about. By the and, way, when you're George Farmer. And you were the number one high school wide receiver coming and they won't, out. And they won't shut How can up you about not it? catch the frigging ball? He cannot talking. catch. This guy was higher rated than Odell Beckham Jr. I think and that's just because like, they're surprised when he drops the three yard swing pass. When it's like they have to convince in. themselves, is this the same guy? Oh yeah, it is. It's like it's like yeah, but he's six foot one. Like we we know why he's not he's not in the Odell Beckham Jr. conversation anymore. <laughs> Because he's six one and doesn't run a sub four five forty. Yeah, he's just he, he's not NFL caliber football player. Is it player. George Farmer? Is George is that his first name? Yeah, George Farmer, dude. That's, I know it's Farmer. I just just George know. Farmer sounds like the guy who gets killed first in a horror movie. It reminds me. It reminds me of one of my favorite old jokes from a, a comedian Gary Shandling, where he's uh, I'm uh, I'm dating Miss Georgia. Okay, well, it's the former Miss Georgia. Okay, it's George Foreman, <laughs> and it's and no, it's George Farmer. Even worse, uh, yeah. I I feel CJ Procise is he coming back at all this year? Is it is he a playoff guy? Is he a last game of the season? Is he, that is just wishful thinking? It's gonna be somewhere in that window, you know. He's not out for those, the year though, right? He's not on IR. Okay. Another crazy thing happened this week, and that's that like the wide receiver snaps all went to like basically three dudes, unless you count Nick Vanette, which I don't. Uh, so no, he's a tight end. Yeah. So I mean, I know that when Nick Vanette's on the field, though, it turns Jimmy Graham into a tight end, basically. So, <laughs> so I mean, on in some level, I mean, turns to a wide receiver. Did I say turns Jimmy? Yeah, Graham into it, tight end? yeah. You meant the opposite. Yeah, I meant yeah. the opposite. Vanette comes in and Jimmy, Jimmy Graham plays slot. Jimmy Graham's agent would say that he's always a wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, New Kirk, Orleans would vehemently Kirk's, disagree. Kirk's played the most snaps out of everyone, and you know why that is. Because they left him in the game after Trayvon. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. No, that's actually a good point. That's a great point. Uh, I will say, Jimmy Graham, when Jimmy Graham is on the field, it's great to see Jimmy Graham, but there are sometimes the plays he makes, and I'm sorry for those of you out there named Jimmy, he becomes James Graham. He is a man. How about a Jim Graham? He is, I used to know a guy He's named so Jim Graham. Tall. He's so tall. It's just, every time I, I you it's obscene. Minute, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dang, this guy's really big. Well, and he's, you forget also that, you know, because he was so injured with us at first, that he's hard to bring down. Oh, yeah. And when yes. that happens, he is James Graham. And it's, <laughs> it's just incredible to watch. Doctor. Ja- Doctor. Doctor. Doctor James Graham. I love Graham. this. <laughs> Doctor James Graham. Yeah, let's put that in the tweets, cause that's, uh, he's. Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta pick one or the other. We're just you're a doctor keep... or an Esquire. You can't. <laughs> um. You can be Doctor James Graham Esquire. Just yeah. remember, uh, Bill from Bill and Ted's was. 
Esquire. So right, is this where is this good. where you want me to talk about how why Earl Thomas is the best, uh, maybe the best, and most unique NFL uh, football? Really player? quickly before we switch to oh, defense, okay. I want to say one thing about Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette catching that twenty yard, uh, or yeah, he's no, twenty one yard seam pass. That was really nice to see because that was Luke Wilson would have dropped it. That was exactly it. <laughs> that was the play that told me, okay, Luke Wilson can go. Like, yeah. I like Luke Wilson though. He seems really funny. He does. And I wouldn't mind him just sticking around being like the third tight end on our He's roster so Canadian. The and I know that he's yeah. not from Canada, but he's so Canadian. He's funny. He's kind. He's Canadian. Isn't he a Canadian citizen though? I'm he went pretty, to Rice. I'm pretty sure he's a Canadian citizen. He did go to Rice. Yeah. That's in Texas. Right. If you went from Canada to Texas, that actually, also, that would make perfect sense. A man for Luke with a Wilson. particular set of skills of Luke Wilson is destined for the CFL. And if he's from Canada, he'd be there already. Uh, Luke Wilson. And the bird is a Canadian is? football tight end. He is was he born in LaSalle, Ontario. Oh, Ooh. That's, that's he, like the third most Canadian that's area. That's gotta be tough to get recruited to a, a, a United States college playing high school football in Canada. That's crazy. All right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, let's go defense. Um, let's go if, defense. If but, we're gonna go defense, let's just start off with the with the terrible news. All right. So Earl Thomas. Um, why Earl Thomas is so great? I'm gonna break this down with video in our Patreon uh, YouTube video this week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm gonna show a couple plays, including my all time favorite play where Earl Thomas runs like 30 yards across the field to break up a Jarek McKinnon pass. Uh, it's a it's a good one. Trust me. <laughs> You'll, it looks like Jarrett McKinnon drops the pass, but then you realize, like, no, Earl Thomas just came from, like, basically the other side of the field and broke that play up. It's really cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> why Earl Thomas is so great? Seahawks play cover three almost every play. Okay. And cover three is a pretty easy defense to break. How do you break cover three? You just run four guys straight up the field. You just run four verticals. You just run four dudes in straight lines. And usually, what it does is the left cornerback and the right cornerback are covering the outside receivers and the two guys running in the middle, the safety's gotta choose. He's got to choose left or right. Now, the cool thing about Earl Thomas is he can choose both because he doesn't have to make a choice until the quarterback decides. Once the quarterback throws, then he'll run because he's so fast. What makes it even better is that Earl Thomas is so fast, he can also get to the guys on the outside after the play is thrown. So then the runner, the cornerbacks on the outside can play super hyper-aggressive because they know Earl Thomas can run a million yards from way on the other side of the field and still get involved in the play. So it tilts our off our defense so much. Well, we're playing this basic offense that everyone says that de- our basic defense, sorry, that everyone says this is an easy defense to beat, but it's not for us. And then it, it also allows Cam Chancellor to hardly ever have to play in coverage if he doesn't we don't need him to. So then he's playing within four yards of line of scrimmage and just destroying people's souls. And yeah, it just it tilts everything in in a different direction. I think it's people's sowls. <laughs> nice callback. Uh, at the game, uh, I was sitting in the hawk's nest, and the Panthers were driving towards us. And I was showing my wife. I was like, "This is," and this is before Earl got hurt. I was like, "Watch, watch Earl on this play." And they had they had two receivers to the left, and they had one one receiver to the right. And Sherman is on the right, and Earl is lined up on the complete left side of the field. Mm-hmm. And so the minute the ball is hiked, Earl goes towards the middle of the field, not to the middle. Cam pump fakes left, throws right. And guess where Earl Thomas went? To the right. And he broke right away. And he was yeah, there before and, the passing even got there. And he there. makes it. Like, he yeah, just makes it. That's because, Earl Thomas. Because he's so good. Like, he can come from so far away, and he's so fast. And, you know, it, the thing is, the Seahawks' defense is still extraordinarily talented. We're still going to have a good defense. 
It's just not going to be the same. We're going to be running something different because you can't do what we normally do without Earl Thomas. It's just not possible. And you've seen throughout the season when Earl missed a couple games earlier, the defense was still good. It just looks different. The defenses warp differently because guys have to play in coverage. We have to play more traditional coverages. We have to mix up our coverages, which is something we don't normally do. Usually we just play like the same base defense all game and say, hey, come and beat this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and teams can't because it's so good. It's kind of cool. Sometimes uh, one thing I like is instead of a single high every once in a while, you'll see a two deep cover zone, um, like a two deep man. And... I really am interested in seeing if they start using like Kelsey McRae in that drop so that Cam gets to play next to the line and you're dropping like Terrell and McRae back or something. That could be a really interesting wrinkle. But yeah, Earl reminds me of like when Kenny Lofton was an elite defensive center fielder and they would shade him over towards whatever DH they were playing in right field because he's so fast he could cover like one and a half outfield spots. And that's exactly what you're talking about with Earl. Earl just covers the field. And he gets a finger on a pass and some people will be like, you know, he didn't intercept it. And you're going, you don't understand. He yeah. just came from that's- so far out of position. Most safeties wouldn't even make it into the shot on camera. Yeah. And he made it into the play. The plays I'm showing in the YouTube video, he doesn't make an interception in any of these plays. It's just the absurd distance he covers that I want to show people. Yeah. Like, it's just the fact that, hey, they're going to try to break this by running four verticals with a, with what running back on a wheel route. And it's not going to work because Earl Thomas is going to just run an insane distance. Yes. It's, to, it's, it's, he's, he's full unique. He's the, he's the best. And he's the thing that this is how you know Pete Carroll's a great coach is that this piece on other teams might have got lost. He might have just been a really good free safety. But on the Seahawks, they turned him into more than that. They turned him into perhaps the most effective free safety in NFL history because they took what he is uniquely talented at. And there are things Earl's not that great at. I don't think Earl is, an, is like the best wrap-up tackler in on the team. He's he's a good tackler, but he's not. He's a good best. gang tackler, yeah. but yes, I agree he, as a single There's times where he just runs into guys and like slows them down enough so everyone else can catch up. He doesn't just like make an amazing tackle by himself in open space. But he doesn't need to do that. He does something that no one else can do, and the Seahawks take full advantage of that ability. He's a one-man prevent defense. Yep. I yeah. mean, that's 100% right. Like a prevent that, defense that works. His middle zone, it's like, you know, like they show those bubbles on Madden where it shows the area they're supposed to be covering. His is the entire field. It yeah. just, just yeah. covers the whole middle of the field. Like, everyone throws ducks if you're Earl Thomas. Yeah, it's awesome. He's I, will, I miss him this year, and if he just decided to retire... He'll retire as probably my favorite or second favorite Seahawk of all time. Like I really, I put him right in there. He's he's an inc- he's been an incredible player for the Seahawks, and I think he's probably the best, the most talented guy to ever to ever throw on the uniform. Like he's in the mix. Yes. He's right there with Walter Jones, Steve Largent, like most talented guys to ever put on the. Yeah, the blue, the blue and green ring of honor guy for sure. It's that's retired that's, uh, jersey. Retired jersey. I think if he retired today, you retired the jersey. And he is, you know, other players. You know, they're really good. Earl's a joy to watch. Oh yeah, his game stands out. If you take the time to look at the field of play, it doesn't take very long for you to just gain an appreciation for 
how active he is on every play. I talk a lot about how much I love Richard Sherman coming up and covering the run. Yeah, you see that Thomas three all the time. Yep. Thomas is just in every play. You can just mark him down. Basically, if you look at the snap count for the defense, just tally that many assists. That's the way it feels most games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to, I want to get off the sad part of it. And <laughs> this might still be sad. What about his replacement? First play. I'm sitting there in the stadium. I'm like, all right, watch out for the long bomb. And they did not watch out for the long bomb. You what, know, if, can you really bank on Ted Ginn catching a ball? This is true. And also, what is Ted Ginn good at? He's, he caught five out of six Ted passes. Ginn, this Ted is probably the run, only game Ted that Ginn ever happened. run really fast in a straight line. Yeah. Yes. He's the Jermaine mean, curse he, of the they literally, they literally played right into his wheelhouse there. And I, I mean, I think that we came out and they just weren't ready for that. I agree. The, the defense had not adjusted yet. And I mean, the defense made some adjustments throughout the game. You saw us shift what we were doing a little bit and Steven Terrell played fine. He played solid. There's, there's not, I think we will win foot, we'll win football games with Steven Terrell and we could still win the Super Bowl. This is the kind of season where you can get away with your all world free safety being hurt because every team has fatal flaws. Do you think we see more Powell? And we, we do. We have fatal flaws. I love Tyvis Powell. I hope so. But. I would love to see some Tyvis Powell back there. Like once it's confirmed, I would love to see what he does instead of Terrell. Yeah, I, I would love I, to see I, some Tyvis Powell. I get the feeling that they are not. They're not. He's getting ready. redshirted. Yeah, that they they're just like they they're not sure if he's going to play cornerback or safety. He's, he's apparently he says he gets snaps at both in practice. Yeah, and he's so. a red. He was a redshirt sophomore coming out early from college. So he's young. I mean, right now they're just like get your snaps on uh on special teams and we'll we'll work you at, you know, cornerback and safety and then I would say next year you look for his role to expand. I really think Tyvis Powell is kind of he'll be the number 3 cornerback next year. That's my prediction. I just so. feel like now would be the time to give him a shot. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe that could they ruin don't his want confidence. Him to be safety long term. Yeah. Maybe that's the plan is that because they want him long term to be playing uh inside and outside corner. Like they are like, no, we don't want to use you at safety in games because we don't want you to, you know, we don't, they don't want to get him locked in. Cause what happened with Shed's development is Shed got stuck as a safety for a long yes, time. Yes, and yes, then, yes, yes. And then he never developed as a corner and it took a long time to switch him back over. So I don't want to see Tyvis Powell. That's true. They might have learned that lesson. Powell has the skill to play cornerback and he's six foot three. Like he's a big dude and he's getting bigger too. Like he's and having him, Sherm and Shed. That's Three, a, six, two, and over corners that are athletic. That's yeah. un, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And, uh, with Michael Bennett now uh, coming back, I thought he came back. Well, he came back and lined up, for, lined up offsides right away. And I was like, Michael Bennett is He's back. back. That's it. Yeah. He, what was the snap count? Do we have that offhand? Michael Bennett played 62% of snaps. Okay. So he played a little less than he usually does. Yeah. About usually 20 to 25% less. Usually closer to 80, 85, uh, which is probably too much. Yep. It's part of the problem. 60 is actually a great number. I'd That's like the see, Frank Clark number. So him and Frank Clark basically swapped. I'd like to see, I'd like to see him stick at around 60 for the rest of the regular season. I don't want to see him go over that. I, even though he's the best defensive lineman, save it for the playoffs. We're making the playoffs. I, I would be surprised if we didn't get the two seed just because Detroit is going to blow a game that they should win. And we should outside of the screen. Bay are, game, we're already ahead of them. We're a half game ahead of them. Thanks, but Kai. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that weird tie. Half game's all you, you need. Should win. Should <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I would say we're pretty solid to get the two seed at this point. We have games against bad teams left. You know, we get to play our division. Yeah, yeah, we get so, to, and and Green Bay. Green Bay is the only right, only really tough game. Green Bay is going to be tough, but you know, there's the McCarthy factor. We'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, it's. I will say this: the the pass rush looks better with Michael Bennett, even if Michael Bennett isn't getting to the quarterback. It's just another 
threat that they have to deal with right. from all sides. Yep. It just stretches stretches the defense. They can no longer just double-team Cliff Averill. Well, Carolina had a really conservative scheme that was designed to keep pressure off of Cam. They did max protect, right? They had a I, lot I of protection. This. They had yes. like eight guys in protection. They, they, they consistently kept, kept at least a running back and a lot of times a running back and a tight yes. end. Yeah. They would have, they would send two guys out on a couple of plays. It and was another, nuts. another weird thing they did too is like, the, yeah, cause they, well, the, what they try to do, and this is a part of Carolina's scheme, and I probably should have mentioned this last week, is that they have huge wide receivers that are really slow. So they just try to get them in situations where they're one on one and like box a guy out, you know. And like we have a crappy defense to try and do that yeah, too. And it's that that's not going to work against Seattle. Yeah. That's a bad plan. That's how Kevin Benjamin ends up with two catches on nine targets, oh, and nine Greg targets. Olson ends up with three catches on seven targets. Well, and that's you can see that they got some yards. They got some dink and dunks. They got a couple longer plays. Actually, I wouldn't call them big plays, but they were not. They, they were to, no factors. If you take out Ted Ginn's eighty yards. They had a hundred and two yards passing. There you go. Yeah, that's that's crap. And yeah. for well, for and also on how many attempts? Like thirty three. Thirty two attempts. Yeah, and it for was an fourteen for thirty two, he was well under fifty percent. They weren't running like what Denver tried to do in the Super Bowl in like the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl against us when they were just you know giving those five yard passes. They weren't even doing those, and that's it's there's no recipe to win there. And I'll, I'll take that anytime. Actually, that's kind Benjamin, of the torque. Kelvin Benjamin, like. They took him away. They, yeah. they made him a non-factor. And he's, it's hard to make Kelvin Benjamin a non-factor because he's, you know, six foot five, 240. You know, it's really challenging to make him. It's that old uh, yeah. Marcus Colston type receiver where he's, he's huge and fast. So it's kind of hard to just take him away. Well, or like Funches had two catchers for 44, but one of them was on the one where he fell backwards and the ball miraculously landed on well, him. Well, also Devin Funches sucks. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, don't, I don't But he know. is their third best receiver. I mean, he's Kelvin Benjamin, the worst version. Yeah, like, he's got a fun. He's Calvin Benjamin Light. I don't know why you why the, those guys should not be on the same team. So with two of those guys very similar, you're saying they are bunches of funches. They are. They have double. They have double funches. That's all I wanted to hear. Yep. Let's move on to Green Bay. We got a big yeah. Sunday night game. You know we're probably getting the number. You didn't even let me make fun of Mike Tolbert. Oh, okay. oh, actually, yeah, actually, let's talk about uh real quick. Cam Newton getting suspended for the first drive. Oh. Everyone's saying <laughs> Derek didn't and- take long for that to to matter. Yeah, here's the thing: Derek Anderson not gonna. He's probably one of the five he's, best backups in the league, though. Honestly, he's probably going to throw a pick later. And that, in that pick series. was totally on Tolbert. It was like, <laughs> like, who's the best backup in the league? Tony Romo, obviously, but who's the next best backup in the league? <laughs> Sam Bradford, <laughs> but he's but he's a starter. Well, I mean, yeah, if you take Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford is the next best. If Teddy Bridgewater is the starter, Bradford's the next best. Yeah, player. I mean, what we've got the uh, the McCown. There's a McCown in there who's good. Hoyer the destroyer. Hoyer the Hoyer. destroyer. Um, but I mean, it's. I mean, I gotta say, RG three. Derek Anderson's in the mix for like. One of the yeah, best. Yeah, he's backups. solid. Mike he's Glennon. Solid. I, if Derek Anderson was our backup, I wouldn't be like, I mean, obviously I'd be scared if Russ got hurt, but I wouldn't be like, oh no, this is so bad. Like, I that would really change our offense. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, not, that's another thing is that why, why do you put Derek Anderson in and then just, they look like they ran like the regular offense. Well, it's not. These it's, are our scripted plays for Cam, but you know what? We're just going to put Derek in there. He can do it. That's the thing though. It's whose fault is it about that? That interception. It's whoever they're, they're drew up the run. play. Yeah, that play is terrible. Because yes. why? What makes you say, you know, let's throw it to the four hundred pound boiling bowling ball, uh, bowling ball? Like, when was the last time you ever saw Mike Tolbert catch a ball? Nowhere. Know. Like he's he's got the the but weight. I like at the end of the game where they just kept handing it to Tolbert, and the announcers yeah. were like, "Tolbert just running people over. Easy run for Tolbert. Well, there's no such thing as an easy run for him." <laughs> it's like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> stupid. That's Yo, all I wanted to say. I was just hoping one of them would crack an Eddie Lacy joke because it was primed. You know, Chris Collinsworth was, and now Michael's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, John, the reason, another reason they started throwing so much is John Stewart fumbled and they just like didn't run for like a whole three drives. Yep. Cause they don't really have a good backup running back. Yeah, Fozzie Whitaker. So they, they were just like, uh, instead of running Fozzie Whitaker a bunch of times, let's just not run anymore. Man, Riverboat yep. Ron is, is sticking to his guns. Like you're well, going to be in fumble jail, even though you're clearly a better player. You're going to be in suspended jail, even though you didn't want to wear a tie. Here's the other thing. Jonathan Stewart had that one 29 yard run. So he had 11 for 50. Take away the 29-yard run, and he had 10 for 21. That's bad. Ooh. That is not what you want. I feel like I could get 10 for 21, and that's that's even before I lost all my weight. <laughs> um, all right, let's go into Green Bay. I want to talk uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, we do not like M- Mike McCarthy on this podcast just because we recognize the talent that is in Green Bay, namely at the quarterback position. And we think Mike McCarthy is a terrible head coach. Their offense is just so boring. And like the thing is, Aaron Rodgers does something every once in a while that you're just like, oh, oh, you know, that he does gives you one of those yeah. where he makes a throw that's just it's basically impossible for any other human to make this throw. But it doesn't matter because the next play they're going to run some kind of stupid out pattern to Randall Cobb, Eric's favorite football player. It's like if your head coach was. <sighs> It's like if your head coach was Daryl Bevel. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, going back to Randall Cobb, man, the guy's got gorgeous eyes. I just... Hypnotic spell. It's C-O-B-B. There's no eyes in there. <laughs> At first, I didn't R-A-L-L. know you said... There's that University of Kentucky. I was I was actually thinking you said C-O-O-B, and I was like, Randall Coop? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I think Green Bay's offense is still good. Sowell, Coob, this is going all sorts of Green Bay's offense is still good, even though it's basically just Aaron Rodgers carrying a team to to everything that they can possibly do. They can't run. They don't really get much out of any receiver who's not Jordy Nelson. But somehow their offense is still ninth the in great DBO, hope. The ninth great in DVOA. It's, it's just incredible that how good Aaron Rodgers is. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, uh, Green Bay's offense is the opposite of what you just got through saying about Pete Carroll on defense. Pete Carroll took Making players out of more, found what they had, and maximized it. And you know, yeah, yeah that's polished, that's about polished right. that gold. I'd say less out of more. That's perfect. And that's less out of more. That's if you could put a sentence to summarize McCarthy's tenure as head coach of Green Bay, it was McCarthy. Less out of more. And also, their defense is already not good. And then now they're Clay Matthews is what, like, gimpy and bad because he, you know, he took a cheap, cheap, took a, a cheap quote, shot. Cheap shot. Because, that was yeah. not a cheap shot. So, he I tripped mean, over karma and fell on his knee. Say, like, karmically so. <laughs> I will, I will say that he, he must have so much negative karma built up. <laughs> uh, Nathan, early in the year, you were, uh, Maybe not extolling, but you were talking about how good Green Bay's defense was. What happened? The, their secondary got completely injured. Yeah, their secondary's hurt. Their their defense actually has like talent on it, but they just they're missing guys. And Julius Peppers isn't going to be young forever. I wish he could be, because man, do I love me some Julius Peppers. Man, he hasn't oh, been young forever young since Peppers. like three years ago. Four or years Julian, ago. sorry. Someone someone get a someone get the guys from Cocoon on the job. Julian Peppers. <laughs> Julian Peppers. Uh, did you know he played basketball in North Carolina? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, did you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Yeah, but <laughs> l- let's just go. Let's just get right into it. The Green Bay defense. No one is worse against wide receivers in the whole league than the Green Bay defense. Oh man, thirty first and thirty second against wide receivers. No one is worse against wide receivers than Green Bay. Lockett and Doug Baldwin are going to have a yeah, field just, day. Just watch out for you know Lockett and Baldwin just terrorizing this. Uh, 
Green Bay did defense. The worst. Uh, Kevin, I just got to call him out. Kevin right now did the worst NFL celebration of of 2016. Oh, the feeding the feeding frenzy. The yeah. eating eating your cereal very quickly. How dare you, Kevin? <laughs> I will call you out. That was just for you. I did I mean, that. Green Bay has 31 sacks. They get to the passer, and they they're okay against the the run. They they get a lot of stuffs. You know, they they yeah. stop a lot of runs for who do they stuff people and Nick with? Perry's a good speed rusher. Uh, they have uh, Latroy Guion and Mike Daniels, who are two big Mike space Daniels, fillers. Yeah. Don't don't forget, ha ha. Ha ha Clinton Dix. Ha ha Clinton Dix. Clinton Dix is a really good safety. Yeah, besides his ridiculous name, he's a really good player. Also, Kenny Clark, their defensive end kind of gets used in a Bennett hybrid, and he's a very stout defensive end in the run. And as much as I like to bag on Clay Matthews, because he is the worst, and I hate him so much, when he's healthy, he's really good, but he's not going to have an impact on this game, right? He's, yeah. He's looking like he's not going to play. I wish I could hate Luke Keekley as much as uh, Clay Matthews makes me hate him. Man, Luke Keekley, it's you hate him because he's not on your team. Yes, but Clay, Matthews, Clay Matthews, I hate him because he exists. He's just not as good as all the endorsements make him seem. Well, actually, he is really good. He's just a big jerk. Like, like how effective? What percentage would you say Clay Matthews is at with this injured shoulder? Because he's going to play. Because he's stupid. He seems impacted. Um, I think that he'll be okay on pass rushes. I think. How many shots of cortisone steroids is he going to get into his shoulder before the game? Ten, hundred. Something like that. <laughs> At least three. I, he can't have that many brain cells. He though, can. So. He can still rush our tackles. He can still just swim past him, or you know, ask him, you know, excuse me, and run past George Fant. It shouldn't be a problem. This is going to be all about Russell Wilson making people look stupid. Yep. I mean, it, we're going to need Russ's it's, legs. It's really the thing that we talked about in the Tampa Bay game, after the Tampa Bay game, and now coming to this game. It's can our offensive line go on the road and not look like a total mess? And you know, yeah, the one the game against Tampa Bay it was Joey Hunt. Joey Hunt. I'm gonna keep messing yes. up these names, so you just gotta help me now. I'm an yeah. old man now. I'm that 30. was the one. So this is a <laughs> Joey Joey Hunt. You know, and we go on the road with Joey Hunt as the center, and the line looks like a mess. We come we come back home with Britt, and now the question is: Is it the home road thing, or is it the Britt Hunt thing? We're going to find out this week. If our line is a mess on the road and we take, take like 10 sacks and, you know, everything's just falling apart, our offensive line maybe just can't travel because of crowd noise, because of timing issues. I'm not 100% sure. We, and I think, another great, otherwise it's have Brit will travel. Great breakdown from, I, I like, uh, Collinsworth and Michaels. I think that Collinsworth is maybe the most insightful color guy in the NFL. And he pretty much tells it like it is. Uh, yeah, he tells it. He he doesn't say anything like I feel like everything he says is on his bed, and he's not. Phil no Sims. one's Troy. Well, okay. Joe Buck's Troy Aikman bad, but yeah. they're <laughs> also the same person. So okay, but so the thing I like about Collinsworth is that he he sees things that are good and he brings them up. So like he brought up that fan because he 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 keeps his arms out a lot when he's blocking, and I really liked this point because. It's true, Fant when he blocks, and I know I had noticed it before, but I could not pinpoint it. Like I had noticed, like something's weird about the way he's standing, but I couldn't figure it out because I am not—I've never played offensive line. I had no, you know, I've never thought about it. And then he he says, "Yeah, he's keeping his arms out, which is a weird thing for a left tackle." Dude, I'm like, that's it. That's what's what he does. And so, yeah, he when he goes to block a guy, he puts his arms out like he's you know defending a guy in basketball. Yeah, he's really, screening. He, he needs to put his arms in and. Fan has all the athleticism in the world. He's just not a football player yet. And maybe two years from now he makes it and he's a league average tackle. Yeah. And I that'd be cool. I'd be totally into that. I'm it was super, easier for Antonio Gates. I'm Antonio su- Gates just had to go be athletic. Yeah, go be athletic and catch balls. Fan's actually tackle is a very technical position. 
and Fant's dealing with a lot of things right now. And Clay Matthews is not one of those things you want to be dealing with. No, that could get ugly. So if, if they line up Matthews on the same side as Fant, it could be really bad. But Matthews generally plays right outside linebacker, correct? Yes. So, I mean, he'll be on the opposite side of the That's field. Then what he's got. That's not better he's for Gilliam us. or Sowell. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, Sowell. Maybe, I would rather see Sowell. Sowell's experienced. You know, maybe he can, maybe he's got some, you know, he'll just, you know what he'll do? He'll punch him in the shoulder right away. Get him, get him thinking about it. Actually, I could see Sowell doing that. I could see a Fetty yeah. doing that too. I love Bradley Sowell. I, I could mean, legitimately see a Fetty drive blocking I, him to the what ground. I like about Bradley Sowell? He looks like he gives a shit. Yes, he's, honestly, he looks like Breno Giacomini 2.0. He's giving absolutely every bit of effort he has. He's it just he's, only goes so far. He's, yeah. not, he's not. He's not great. He'll never be great. He'll be the 30th to third to 50th best tackle in the NFL for his entire career. But you know what? He's, he's getting trying. it out of the 50th he's, to 80th best talent. Well, remember when he's we was trying so hard? We thought that he was gone that. for the season because he was just in tears on the cart, and it was like, dude, you just your shoe came off. It was like, oh, okay. I mean, he he just looked <laughs> like devastated. Woods, I, will, I will say this: uh, big factor in the game, possibly uh, the the hawk's nest hot take, uh, the hawk take. It's going to be snowing. Thirty-one degrees, sixty percent chance of snow. Snow showers early with accumulation. That, I feel like that helps us. And the game is at one p.m. our time, right? Because our offense can thrive on just like all short passes and quarterback runs. Yes. So, Possibly, so, I don't think. And I, Rawls, I feel like this is a bad thing. Uh, Rawls hitting you in the face is going to really hurt when it's cold. Well, I mean, it, it's cold, and we throw this like three yard pass to Tyler Lockett, and now you got to try to go catch him. Yeah, like that's not fun. That's not fun for. It's going to look like the scene in every bad sports movie where they're trying to catch a pig. <laughs> 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 not where I thought you were going. Uh, do we want to go to picks already on this game? I think well, we've really quick. That I just want to oh. touch on one more thing. Yeah. Uh, what you just said there. This is how I think some of that pass rush can be mitigated. They are, as Nathan said, the worst team at defending wide receivers. Do you think with newly signed Marcel Reese, with Rawls being functional? sacks and a good pass rush, too. Right. It's not like, oh, they're not generating any pass rush, so their secondary is bad. It's like, no, their secondary is just straight up horrible. Yes, flat out. Do you think we see more protection? Do we keep a tight end in? What tight end are you going to put in? I mean, uh, Williams Mac- and Bennett can both block him. Yeah. Or not McAvoy. Williams Bennett, and Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. Why did I say? Because they're big and white. McAvoy is, All big white guys McAvoy, look the same McAvoy to you. is a big dude. That's just, <laughs> Honest, I'm also, I'm old now. Honestly, we might, Kevin, but it's one of those situations where we haven't seen it all year. Uh, so will we see it this game? Having said that, Russ ran more against Panthers, looked great. Also, a couple weeks ago, I was like, hey, are we going to use Tyler Lockett like we use Percy Harvin? And we're like, maybe. What would we see against Carolina? We saw that happen. So anything. Oh my goodness, it was delicious. Yeah, too. it really was. <laughs> and it was so beautiful, but I'd love I, to I, see this secondary because that, by the way, that's another thing. Sorry to interrupt no. you again, but, um, the one place that, okay. So Green Bay against the run, they are weakest to the right side and which is where we are strongest in blocking. And they are the weakest at tackling in the open field. Ooh, so that's good. Jet sweeps going to the right, where you get Lockett in the open field. Well, and this could that be the, could be a big weakness. This is the type of the time of year, and I don't want to get anyone excited because it is still Daryl Bevel, and he can totally let you down with Jermaine Curse's jet sweeps to the left. <laughs> you might see that, and it would be awful. But this is the time of year; it happens all the time, where. All year we're like, Daryl Bevel, Daryl Bevel, I hate you, you suck. But late in the season, playoffs, Daryl Bevel, 
he comes out of hibernation. He his shadow's gone. He he starts calling up these there's really a, good plays. He the man seems to know what he's doing in December. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for like good coaches kind of keep some stuff back in the regular season too. I, I definitely think that Bill Belichick does this. Yeah. 100%. And, and they the play, Seahawks clearly do too. And watch New England this week. I think they're going to do some creative stuff on offense because they're playing against a really good defense in a game they probably really want to win to try to lock up that one seed. You think you they're know, probably And maybe gonna, McCarthy does the same thing too. It's just he never lets it out. You think in, <laughs> you think in New England, <laughs> maybe we're going to see the some. look right there for because you can't see this. I gave him the look. <laughs> Are you think we're going to see some Deion Lewis in New England, Nathan? <laughs> oh. Yes, I love Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis for president. <laughs> I, I know, I know you love Dion Lewis. Uh, okay, let me let me do one. Let me say one more thing about Green Bay. Okay, is that they got they've got like the one really good wide receiver, Jordan Nelson, and then Devontae Adams has been fine this year. But I really think that that is, you know, it's it's fluky to get a bunch of touchdowns and not a ton of yards. And also, he plays with Aaron Rodgers, and the, on a team that can't run, so they're throwing a lot. Uh, this. I am not afraid of their wide receivers at all. They, and our our cornerback secondary talent, even without Earl, is good enough to completely shut these guys out. Yeah, I would say Jordy Nelson is the only reliable wide receiver they have. They have other wide receivers that have some talent, but I think Nelson's the only reliable target. Another weird thing too is that Green Bay has in the whole Aaron Rodgers era has never had like a really good tight end. Yeah, and they thought they had one with Cook, as has everyone who signed Cook. Well, and also they thought they had one with that guy that like almost died. Uh, Jermichael Finley. Finley. Jermichael Finley. Yeah. Finley. And Finley he was pretty good yeah. when he was healthy for both those games. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They still have Richard Rodgers, too. Rodgers to Rodgers and Jared Cook. You say yeah. that like that's good. Richard, no. Ro- Richard Rodgers in DVOA is like 40. Just wanted to say they have two tight ends that they've... You know, Cook is the new one, but the guys that they've been hyping, because they're always trying to hype a tight end for Aaron Rodgers, and like you said, it never happens. Best DVOA tight end, Rob Gronkowski, rest in peace. Hey, All right, so. <laughs> hey, real quick, picks. picks. <laughs> uh, what about the uh, pro football focus rating that I love seeing on all the NBC games? Yeah, the one that we used to have access to, but now it costs like $2,000 yeah. to get. Yeah, that's one. Well, it has thanks, thanks. You know what, Collinsworth? I lied. You're an asshole. Yeah, because that you're the reason that that happened. Guys, get on that Patreon for yeah. us. We need two grand so we can do pro football. That, that, was, the best, <laughs> that was like the best thing about uh, the pro football focus is like when, it used to be sixty bucks, and it felt like I was stealing something because the information was so good. Yes, and I was like, and it was so easy to get and well sorted, and I just felt like at sixty dollars, this is just an absurd steal. And then one day. I go to log in and it says, you know, you have three months left and then we'll be uh, closing your account. And I was like, can I renew it? Some kind of grandfather rate? And they were like, no, everyone has to leave and re-sign up. And I was just like, no. Yeah. And so I sent him, I sent him an email that year. And the first year it was more. It was actually like 10 grand to buy in. They have really curbed it back to try to get some more like casual people to subscribe. But how casual are you if you're paying like $2,500 for, uh, stat subscription service yeah it was very much like uh if football statistical nerds had a crack cocaine because they're like (laughs) yeah you guys first it's free just come on in here and party with these pro football focus stats advanced stats it's great and you're like yeah this is really good and they're like all right now steal your mom's radio those and pay ch- for the next subscription. You're like, that's not all right. That's not, those this is bad that, Those charts that they make with the, like, throws by direction and then the, also the throws under pressure, throws not under pressure, uh, the runs by direction stats where I think you could see all seven of the areas you could run to. 
Oh man, it just made it's like you don't. Their do pass rush else. stats. Yeah, their pass rush stats are awesome. Both for the offensive and defensive and line. I'm not even talking was about those so stupid, good. stupid numbers. Like that that number rating they give. I actually don't even care about that. That is like I think pro football focus. You're listening. That is the worst thing you do, and that's why that thing is available for like fifty bucks. You yep. can you can just look at those numbers. Those numbers are worthless though. They like the Madden numbers. They're, they're, they, you don't know how <laughs> they make them. It's super subjective. You can tell it's subjective because Earl Thomas is like twentieth among safeties. So their rating obviously is failing to value something that makes Earl Thomas really good. That's actually what uh, Jeff Fisher subscribes to. <laughs> Just the number. He doesn't. He can't afford would, the other one. I would. I would assume all NFL teams have the subscription. It's not that expensive for an NFL franchise. No, not at all. Jeff Fisher, though, proving once and for all, white privilege truly does exist by getting a two-year extension when he definitely. Does not deserve one. I, I just can't wait for him to get fired after getting that two years. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> so, so mad. Right, I'm so happy. Man, way to keep, way to keep a franchise no, down for I us. Mean, it's just, it's just Aaron Donald is going to spend his whole career on a team that can't win games. It's, it's JJ Watt all over it's again. It's Larry Fitzgerald all oh. over again. It's, all right, picks. Let's go picks for this game. Picks for this game. Seahawks 28, Green Bay Packers 21. Keep it simple. All touchdowns. I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make you guys mad twice because I'm first. I'm gonna say I'm gonna make y'all mad. So well, now you're, you're angry. Pick Green Bay. We already know. Actually, I think I'm gonna make you mad because I think I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. Wait, what? You can't back out. We have two. We have two podcasts. I can pick, pick Green Bay on the other podcast and be like, okay, I hope the Seahawks fans don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pick the. Fine. You want your, uh, email us at <laughs> podcast at from the Hawks says, and, hypo- and I will forward all death threats to Eric. Hypo- hypocrisy at Seahawks. Love, lo- love letters, credit card numbers, <laughs> mail bombs. Send them all. This is podcast at from the Hawks dot com. Naked pics if you're a dude. Um, no, I because uh, you know that would happen. Uh, all right, so I'm going to stick with my Green Bay prediction. Uh, trying to put the reverse whammy on it. Honestly, this is why I'm picking Green Bay in this game. I don't really know who I see winning. Anytime I pick a game, I see a score in my head. I see, I see, it's never, it's never right, like spot on. I'm not psychic. I'm just saying, go back to my Carolina score. Um, I just see, I see a game playing out a certain way. And this game, I honestly, I don't see the Seahawks like winning big. I don't see Green Bay winning big. So, and I also see snow. I'm saying Green Bay wins this game. Hmm. 17-13. I am going with the long-standing tradition of Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks making Green Bay, Bay fans feel terrible about themselves. Ooh, like last second field goal? 23-17 like Seahawks with a last second touchdown off of a 17-16 Green Bay lead. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, perfect, perfect. That's just beautiful. skunk. Fail, fail, Mary, uh, to the max. Uh, just, oh yeah, just skunk. Do you think they'll bring that up during the? the game? Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I've said over, over under. Um, m- will there be more Aaron like Rodgers pass or- attempts or references to that play? Well, no, what, not just that play though. There's two plays they could reference now. They got you got that one, and you've got that comeback. Oh, yeah. Wait, are they gonna? They're gonna take talk about what's his name. The guy who screwed up the onside kick. Oh, Rogers. That was that was the tight end. Or no, no, it was the other tight end. It was Rogers' backup. It was the guy who is yeah, not the guy um, who's dead. Yeah, they had him erased. Bubby Brister or something. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I would love to 
to engage with Aaron Rodgers himself about intercept down. Cause by, by rule, by NFL rule, that was a golden Tate catch. <laughs> Just letting you know. Just letting you know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Replacement okay. refs or not. All right. So we're ready for some, to plug some stuff and talk about a movie. Yeah. Should yes. we talk about Patreon? Uh, let's talk about Patreon. Uh, Patreon's where you can see some exclusive content, including, uh, Bi-weekly or weekly videos, depending on <laughs> depending on how busy I get with Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, also you can also get st- uh, stickers, uh, t-shirts, uh, all kinds of cool Seahawks Nest swag. And what I recommend to everyone is that they pick the support level that they want to get the prize from, and then after you get the the stuff, you go down to the level that a lower level. You know, not don't go all the way down. You know, go to, go to the three dollar level, the two dollar level. But, and it is a it is a new month, so all, big shouts to our monthly subscribers. Oh yeah. All our monthly subscribers, uh, we got Brian, Kim, my man from Eagle River, uh, Josh, right? Josh, yeah, and and, and uh, Big Mama Santo, who's my my mom. <laughs> That's right, guys. Not big my at mom, all. My mom supports us. That's by the way, I like calling her Big Mama Santo because she's like the you would never person. describe her that way if you saw her. <laughs> she's really thin. Uh, all right. Petite. So, <laughs> but petite Mama Santa just yeah, doesn't that, sound as good. That's the best way to support us. Patreon.com slash SeahawksNest. If you don't have any money, that's fine. Just go like us on every social media. And then every time you see us post, hit that like button. That is like 90% as good as actually giving us money. Not even kidding. Yes. Uh, like Expand giving us money is 100% net. as good. You're the best. <laughs> if you want to be almost the best, mostly the best, <laughs> then please do jam that like button. The you'll, next you'll be almost the best. Give them reviews. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a movie that uh, got released improperly. Uh, didn't release exactly the way it should have. Oh um, wait. It is a uh, it is a kung fu movie. Well, maybe that's being too kind. It, it's a it's a taekwondo film that stars <laughs> some Orlando ninjas. Or no, sorry, some Orlando, an Orlando band trying to break up some Miami ninjas. There you go. Uh, Coke rings. It's Miami connection. <laughs> uh, I just wish we'd have known about this so I could have memorized all the words to the song. Oh, okay. But, so there's so many things about this movie, but the music is definitely the best one. So it's like they made all friends. This, they made all this original music for this movie. That's just like it's so cheesy. It's like friendship, unity. <laughs> How, yeah. Loyalty, honesty, friends forever will honest and true. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It sounds like stuff that hit the cutting room floor from a, a spinoff of Power, Saved by the Bell. I will. I will say this about Miami Connection. It's this, great. This movie was filmed <laughs> in the early eighties, right? There's obviously one guy in the band. That, okay, well, I'll come back to that. <laughs> it's, it's filmed in the early 80s, and it, it didn't get released. Like, what, the distribution, like the warehouse burned or something? And yeah, they, something got messed up with their distribution, so it never actually got sent to theater. So it was kind of like a lost movie. And this was back in the day when VHS tapes won, before they were even, like, you could buy a VHS tape. When they first came out, they were like $200 a piece. Yeah. And this yeah. was back in the day when $200 was like $500. It's, it's not like $200 today, which is still expensive. So this movie... For all you guys out there, if you would have seen this movie when you were 12, think of all the terrible slash awesome movies you saw when you were 10 to 12. I'm, th- I'm talking Commando. 
I'm talking this Tango a, and Cash. All any these movies starring Brian Bosworth. The thing about this, the thing about this, this movie though that I really appreciate is that it's obviously written for like 12 year olds. It's not like Commando yeah. where it was written for adults and 12 year olds just happened to like it. This movie was <laughs> definitely written for like kids to yeah, like. Yeah, b- bands that were all friends and they're battling ninjas in Miami. Oh, no, they're not just or, all friends. It's in Orlando. They're all orphans too. The, the climax. <laughs> oh, no, I'm an orphan too. They, have, they apparently have been living together for quite some time and we're all in a band. But in a random scene in the movie, <laughs> they suddenly figure out that every single member of the band no, there's, living in this shared house is one, an orphan. There's this one part where a guy gets a letter and he's like, it's from my dad. It's... My like, real dad. My real dad. And then it's like, there's like, you're an orphan? I'm an orphan too. Yeah, it's like so Nathan's weird. delivery is just a little too good. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I'm an orphan too. I mean, it's, it's so I am an awful. orphan too. But it's, the movie is so awful. So but good. The climax of the movie is, is where they have to, they have to drive up to Miami to confront the ninjas. And the That's kid thing, stuff. The whole thing gets started because <laughs> the guy's band plays the shows with and then one guy and this one girl are like hooking up, and then the 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 like bad boy cocaine dealer or whatever in town, it's his sister, and he's got these like horrible headbands, and like he's just so stupid. <laughs> and he's making deals with these or uh, Miami ninjas to try to get the good cocaine down into Orlando or something. I don't really. The plot is like threadbare. At best. Here's the thing: the plot, honestly. It's star-crossed lovers. It's basically West Side Story. This is not a joke. There's the old, you know, the the Shakespeare. It's the star-crossed lovers, the Romeo and Juliet, the okay. two people, and so there's this two different thing. sides who can't be together. That's what this movie is ultimately about. So you have uh, these. So the, these people in this band have to fight. And there's clearly only one guy who can actually have a fight scene. Well, but two, Nathan can explain two. this yeah. because okay, he has so, the flip side of the so scenario. Here's the thing: is that there's there's like two guys in this. So they're in the movie. They're all marsh, serious martial artists who have a band called Dragon Sound. Okay, so it's like yes. that's that's like the plot of the movie. But in reality, okay, there's two guys in the movie: the lead actor and then an Asian guy who are legit martial artists. And then there's a couple guys in the band who look like they're legit musicians. And then the, the lead actor guy is kind of both. He can do a little martial arts. He can do a little music. The guy who could do martial arts really good, he cannot play an <laughs> instrument. He cannot play. Every time they show him playing an instrument in the movie, you're like, that dude is not playing that instrument right now. There, there are moments no you can tell he clearly forgets that he's supposed to move both arms. Yeah. yeah. It's just really he, like, bad. And he moves, way, he moves and way like, too much. And the yes. thing is, that guy, uh, like, white, I think it's like, like YK Kim, he wrote and directed the movie. Like, he wrote, directed, and co-starred in the movie. So it's like, it's all his thing. Which makes me wonder, like, you know you don't know how to play an instrument. <laughs> why, did, why didn't you just make yourself play drums? Most people can't tell if someone or knows how like, to play drums or anyway. Like have yourself be the, the best friend of the band. Tambourine. Like, why did you have to be in the band? It just... <laughs> you could have played the chimes. I don't know. He's the rhythm guitar- guitarist, though, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you play guitar, it. you don't need to move your fret hand that far because you're you're staying usually in one key. But no, not for this guy. Oh, he's yeah. going he's all, all over, over the, the place. place. Yeah, he's all over the this place. This is how you do it, right? You just have the spastic <laughs> motion with your left arm. It's okay. The other thing I love is uh, when they would be doing these scenes where they're trying to develop the plot with dialogue, and they're walking along this college campus as it's a commuter college, and it only has the one camera, and sometimes, and the and the only mic is the mic mounted on the camera. 
So there's times where you can tell the camera gets a little too far away and you can't hear <laughs> what the actors are saying. Yeah, this- so you miss parts of the dialogue so because I- they're walking away from the camera. It's great. Another thing, too, is I, I, if I remember correctly, <laughs> this movie uh, was like it didn't get seen and it got made in 1988. And then they d- didn't get actually seen until like 2012. And so the movie has like good reviews because if you look it up, like you'll be like, oh, the IMDb rating movies are not bad. But it's a little bit ironic. Like this movie is, is so cheesy. It's like the cheesiest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I said it before. I think if you look up the ratings for Tango and Cash, that's what it would have been for this movie had it come out at the time it was supposed to. Because now you have just a bunch of people that want to see absurdity and but they're it's like, like it's Tango great. and Cash with no polish. There's no polish. No, on this and there's movie. no stars in this movie. There's no, there's no special effects in this movie. Oh, there are special effects. Well, there's so much fake blood. They're they're kind of special, but not in the way I, I think you want to hear. There's people it. falling off of objects with poorly timed audio. It's there, really there, good. there are a lot I mean, of good stunts in there, this movie. There's a lot of talk about how like the director of this movie was just like really good at taekwondo, and so that someone convinced him like make a taekwondo movie. Like it'll be cool. Make a taekwondo movie. Taekwondo has high kicks and stuff. And then, like, so he makes a movie, but he has no idea what he's doing. He's making a movie with, he's got some money to make a movie, but like, it's more like a film project from his friends and taking out loans and stuff. And then he just like makes this movie and it's like, he didn't actually know what he was doing. And he, so he screens it for distribution companies. Everyone's like, nah, (laughs) God, you don't know how to make a movie. It's like the best, it's one of the best film school project movies you'd ever see. I think it's the way I'd put it. From that era, for sure. It looks like a bunch of friends got together and went, let's make like a spoofy 80s action movie. And then they did. And also this movie, it's not, it's not trying to and be they're anything. they're all orphans. Hey, the Orlando Sentinel <laughs> in 1988 called it the worst movie of the year. That's fair. Because it only screened in Orlando originally when it first came out. Well, that's the Orlando-Miami bias. I mean, that's going to exist. They didn't screen it in <laughs> Miami? <laughs> no, it's because... It, it, Remember, the bulk of the movie takes place in Orlando on the central Florida University campus uh, and, and in areas surrounding that. And then only in the climax of the movie do we go after the Miami connection. Like I said, the plot of this movie is re- That honestly is such an it's 80s so movie thing to do, though. Yes. It's just wait. The, the name of the movie is the climax of the film. Yeah, it's... I don't, is this available on Netflix or, or anything? It used to be on Netflix. It's not anymore. Uh, I'm not 100% sure we can see it. It's I not on Amazon Prime anymore. It kind of grew as like a cult classic because it's just, it's such a goofy, corny movie and you watch it and you can't help but smile a lot. Like the movie makes you feel good. It's in a weird way. Yeah. And, and you will fun, laugh. It's fun to watch. And so Alamo Drafthouse just bugged YK Kim, the main actor guy, just bothered the shit out of him until he was like, fine, I'll just, I'll let you screen the movie. I'll let you. And then they, and then it knocked it out of the park. Like people saw the tracks. Like this is fun. Like I like this movie. This movie is fun to watch with a bunch of other people. Yes, it's its own you, riff tracks. You can. It's easy to riff tracks this movie. Even like your least funny friend can make a funny joke about this movie. Like think of the least funny person you know. They probably can get off one zinger on. Yeah, this Brett one. did great. It's not. It's <laughs> not. It's not a. It's not a hard movie to make fun of. It's Sorry, like, executive. I think producer, that is right? what I. What I love about it is that it's just such a. And the action's not that bad. It's like, it's, it's, yeah, some of the scenes are really poorly choreographed and like the sound design is just, eh. but, but it's enjoyable. But it's fun to watch. Like the, the, and the YK Kim guy is a really good Taekwondo. Like he can do some cool high kicks and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great. Yeah. I just went to see if it was on YouTube. The stuff's it is for not. kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's just there's, the dialogue is the thing that makes the movie so funny because they introduce like this father figure character to like the, the main characters and they just get rid of him like basically immediately. Yes. Um, the, the master of the dojo of the Miami ninjas is just evil. The most generic evil ninja character. He's doing just, everything except for wearing a swastika on his outfit. Yeah, like the guy from <laughs> Master of the Flying Yeti who just wears a swastika for some reason. Um, he, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to do it. I know. Yeah, I wanted go- to bring up it's, so there's this part where this other band gets pushed out by their band. Oh, and oh, that's... this overweight used car salesman guy is just trying to, uh, t- is basically trying to intimidate the, um, the owner of the nightclub where Dragon Sound has taken over. And the entire time he like punctuates every sentence with, cause that stuff's for kids. That's kid stuff. Oh yeah. He's making fun of Dragon Sound being like a band for babies, which they are. Let's totally, hundred percent. Uh, I mean, okay, so here we band, go. It's a band for twelve-year-olds. If you wanna, if you wanna get this movie, though, here we go. Uh, Friends forever, eternity, loyalty, honesty. I was right. I nailed that lyric. Yeah, All right, here did. we go. So if you you go on MiamiConnection.org, six bucks, stream the film. DRM free downloads. You could just give it, you could pay six bucks, give it to all your friends too. <laughs> and, then, and you get the original soundtrack. <laughs> that alone is worth six dollars. That is very bucks, worth it. You get a 2012 Dragon Sound reunited performance, an alternate ending, deleted scenes, a commentary track, making of. I gotta see this stuff. I've never this seen is, actually all the features. I gotta want to see that. This is two bucks a piece, gentlemen. Let's go. We need to purchase this and oh, then do a live event I around it. One, I forgot one main thing: the ninjas and the uh, the ninjas that they fight against are motorcycle ninjas. Yes, yes. I totally yes. For, I almost forgot that. Oh. Oh man, this is And there's so much like, by the way, there's a lot of wasted time of cars driving around. And then the way you see the ninjas the first like three times, you just see their motorcycles driving around. And don't forget the the, the girlfriend also at one point goes, Junior, you're stupid cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) What an 80s thing to say. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, you're stupid cocaine. Oh man, there's a lot of bad body hair and just just amazingly 80s things. Oh yeah, guys wearing like just the most horrible outfits. (laughs) Oh my gosh, some of these outfits in this movie. Chest hair explosions. Well, I think that about wraps it on Miami Connection. Uh, are you just showing that GIF of like, this GIF is too much? I for, this is this is like one of the video yeah, scenes. Miami Connection, man. He's just my life. Air punching right there. All right, so uh, we'll include it in the show notes. <laughs> let's do. Let's do. Uh, uh, who wants to do plugs? Do you want me to do it? Yeah, go for it. All right, so we got. Uh, we have a Twitter. Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. We have a Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest. We. <laughs> We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Are you seeing the emerging pattern? Basically, just Google Seahawks Nest. Uh, I, I mean, that bar will come up too. Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta contend with that. But if you, if you just look us up on Twitter, you know, I put all the links on there. If you just go to Facebook and type in Seahawks Nest, we're right there. So, uh, find us, like us. Um, and if you, if you really enjoyed it, give us a couple bucks. I'll send you some stickers. I got a bunch of stickers in my desk drawer. And tell, tell um, your friends. I just gotta get stamps. I, I, I've been meaning to send out stickers to the other Patreons and I just keep forgetting to buy stamps because it's not something I've had to do in a really long time. Try stamps.com. Oh God, no. <laughs> try, not, try your teacher. We're not being every other podcast and showing for stamps.com. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> All right, so Eric, send us away. Uh, yeah, uh, for the executive producer, Brett Hancock, executive producer, Carrie Santo, Nathan Santo, the man on the board, our stat man, Kevin Garber, I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. We'll see you next week, just in time for the color rush uniforms that I can't wait to bitch about. Go Hawks.
Orphans.